Good morning. Good morning. A few more, a few more. We are uh, in this sermon series uh, that is entitled A Strong Tower. We are using Proverbs 18.10 as our theme verse for this, uh, for this sermon series. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are saved. And so throughout this sermon series, uh, we're taking a look at the Hebrew names for God. We are taking a look at the Hebrew names uh, for God. Um, I'm going to uh, start in prayer, uh, but you may notice that we have this nice couple that's leaving. Uh, we're going to be praying for um, Marie's daughter, uh, who j she just got a text message to let her know that she's being rushed to the hospital with heart issues. So we're going to pray over Marie's daughter uh, at this point, and then we'll get back into this message. Uh, Father God, we pray. We pray to you because you are the healer, the great healer. And we know that in all things, uh, you work in mighty and powerful ways. So we pray, Lord, for Marie, uh, for Dennis as they travel, keep them safe on the road, keep their daughter safe, uh, keep uh, Tina uh, I pray, Lord, you'll be at the doctors and give them wisdom and that you'll bring our healing uh, through this time. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, why it's so important that we pray that prayer is because today's sermon is about the God who heals. It's about Jehovah Rapha, and we can pray that to God. We can pray and cry out to God and he hears our prayers. Uh, we're going to get really deep into this passage uh, in Exodus chapter 15 today. So if you'll flip over in your Bibles to Exodus 15, uh, we're going to talk about Moses as he leads the people to a place called Marah. And then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding any water. And when they came to the place called Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. This is why the place is called Marah. So the people, they grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw that wood into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. And he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, if you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands, if you keep his decrees, I will not bring upon you any of the diseases I brought upon the Egyptians, for the Lord, Yahweh, is who heals you. Rafa. Let's pray. And now, Father, we come asking for your blessing over this passage, asking that your Holy Spirit will move in such a way that we can understand you more clearly. We believe in the power of your word. We believe in the power of your spirit. And we trust that, Father, you'll speak to each one of us and you'll speak to our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week, we talked about the iconic 
bush scene in Exodus. Here, a burning bush speaks to Moses. We find out that it is God speaking through that burning bush because God heard the cries of his people. And it was through that experience that Moses was called by God to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt. And in today's story, we are encountering a very young, a very fragile Israelite community. This community witnessed the plagues God unleashed on Egypt. They left with Egyptian livestock, and then we watched as the Egyptians drew up arms against them. We watched as they crossed the Red Sea God parted the waters, but then they drowned the Egyptian army. And it is right here that we meet the Israelites. Scripture tells us that they traveled for three days in this desert looking for water. I want to emphasize the infancy of this community the the fragile nature of this community that we know as the Israelites, as we know as the Hebrews. Just remember that a week ago, before they're wandering around in the desert, they were slaves in Egypt. Three days ago, they thought they were going to die at the hands of the Egyptian army on the banks of the Red Sea. And today... As we read in this passage, they're thirsty. When you leave in that kind of numbers, we're talking possibly millions, and they took with them livestock from Egypt, we need water. The water supply is starting to run short. The animals maybe aren't moving as fast as they used to. Now the people are starting to fear for the lives of their grandparents, fear for maybe the pregnant, those who were maybe sick, those who aren't traveling as fast as they used to because they're weak. And they begin to grumble about Moses. Did you see that? They begin to grumble about Moses. They begin to grow bitter towards God. They grow bitter against Moses. And as these people walk to the waters of bitterness, they've already got a bitter taste in their mouth. Amen? In fact, Moses, I'm sorry, in fact, rabbis point out that the actual Hebrew here says that they could not drink the water because they were bitter. Was it the waters that was bitter? Or was it they that were bitter? Maybe the people were more bitter than the actual water. Maybe the bigger problem was not that they were thirsty, but their spiritual state caused the tastiness of the water to be bitter. Why would God lead 
Why would God lead his people to bitter water? His former slaves maybe needed it. Some suggest that maybe God should have led them to a vast lake, reservoir, where their needs could be met, where it could be easy for them to grow and populate. And it's easy for me because I'm not thirsty right now. I haven't gone three days without something to drink. My water supply isn't running short. But I don't think I agree that God should have treated them that way. Look at it again at verse 25. What does it say? God tested them. And he not only tests them, he reveals to them a name. Jehovah Rapha, or Yahweh Rapha. God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. You know, water is a serious need, right? Did you know even today in the world, there are two billion people, two billion people who do not have access to safe drinking water inside of their home. That means two billion people are walking to a water source. And out of that two billion people, 800 million don't have a safe watering hole within a 30-minute walk. means they are traveling over 30 minutes. Some of the poorest people around the world don't have a safe place to drink water. They're drinking from a river. They're drinking from a lake. They're drinking from an unsafe water source. And some of them have to walk over 30 minutes to get there. Think about what happens when you don't have safe drinking water, folks. Sickness, disease, death. And today, millions of people die because they don't have access to safe drinking water water even today now put yourselves in the shoes of the hebrews they had a legitimate concern for their health and welfare and so the question then becomes who did the or where or what did the hebrews turn to in their time of need it was a psalmist who wrote in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, my living God. Where can I go and meet with my God? Now, when does a deer become thirsty, folks? They become the most thirsty when they're hunted. They become the most thirsty when they face an opponent in combat. And as I read the story of the exodus from Egypt, I see a tremendous battle happening for the hearts of the Hebrew people. And as the Egyptian army made its way towards the Israelites, what happened? Their hearts melted. Even as Yahweh was right there ready to wipe out that Egyptian army, they cried out and wished they had never left 
They'd rather been slaves than die at the banks of the Red Sea, but God had compassion on them. He saved them from the Egyptians. Later, you can read in the next few chapters that they camped towards the place called Rephidim, which had no water whatsoever. And the people cried out again and grumbled against Moses and thought they were going to die of thirst. And God brought water out of a rock. The Hebrews struggled in matters of the heart. They didn't need the water because God was already there to provide it. They didn't need the food because God was already there to provide it. They didn't need the protection because God was already there to provide it. What they really, what they seriously, what they deep down needed was a new heart. And instead of turning to God, they turned to themselves, they turned to the Moses. And just like Pharaoh, the Hebrews' hearts were hardened against God. And just like Pharaoh, God allowed their hearts to be hardened so they would learn from their mistakes. I mean, that's what we as parents do and grandparents, right? When they're babies, we protect them. We put a hedge around them. We make sure that they don't get hurt. But as they become toddlers, as they grow up and start jumping on beds and we try to repeat that child, you know, how many monkeys jumping on a bed, right? We try to teach them don't do that, but we allow them some freedom as they grow up. They hurt themselves, and they learn from it. And I think God does the same for Israel here. He's allowing for a situation where they can grow and trust. Nobody died of thirst. God provided it. But it was allowing their hearts to be drawn back to him. You'd think that a story about God's healing, you'd think a story about bitter water would be about physical problems. What seems to be the problem is a spiritual one. It's in Romans chapter 1 that Paul discusses maybe a more modern day problem when he says, therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And this principle of God gave them over is a way of understanding the Israelites. God reveals himself, and Paul makes that clear in Romans chapter 1. God reveals himself. God has shown us the way of life that is good and healthy but many of us choose to live these unhealthy lives, and God says, okay. And he gives us over to that sin. And what does the sin do to the lives of the Christian? Sin ruins marriages. Sin ruins friendships. Sin ruins and destroys our physical and mental health. We hit rock bottom. There's nothing left. We're thirsty. We're bitter and just like the Israelites, we've got to have something to cry out to. That's why I love the Moses model here in the passage. Did you see the Moses model? Because you'll see it time and time again. Read through the Exodus, 
and see that time and time again, the people grumble, and what does Moses do? He turns to God. The people grumble, he turns to God. Moses becomes an intercessor between God and his people, and Jehovah Rapha acts, takes this piece of wood, and he turns the water source sweet. I've always wondered why they called Mara, why they called it Mara. Shouldn't they have called it sweetness? Because it had such a sweet ending. Maybe it's a reminder of the bitterness that comes when you don't turn to God, when you don't turn to Jehovah Rapha. So are you anything like the Hebrews in this story? Do you turn to bitterness before Jehovah Rapha? I mean, as you look at our prayer list, even this morning, there's so many who are asking for healing. Do you see that prayer list as a list of grievances or a petition to Jehovah Rapha? And that, my friends, is a matter of the heart. God was going to give them water, but he used that time in Mara to heal their hearts as well. And maybe you are going through times of Mara. Maybe you're going through times of bitterness because God is working on your heart. As we approach our time of communion, I want to emphasize how God transforms the waters of bitterness. He uses an ordinary piece of wood. Rabbis have traditionally suggested that it could have been an olive branch, which would have been an interesting choice because an olive branch is a bitter tree. It's a bitter wood. You wouldn't think something bitter would make something sweet. But as we approach communion, that's exactly what God did. He took the bitter cross, an ordinary piece of wood that Romans used to crucify. It was bitter, but it brought something sweet. There wasn't anything special about the wood. The symbol itself was scorned by many in Rome but God used that piece of wood and he transformed history. God used that piece of wood to transform my heart. And as I eat the bread and as I drink the juice, I'm reminded of a Savior who hung on that cross for my bitter heart, for our bitter hearts so that they might be transformed. This morning, as you hold the bread and the juice in your hand, would you reflect on your own heart? Ask Jehovah Rapha to heal the bitterness. Let's pray together.
Father God, as we consider your healing touch, as we consider the healing that you brought to the hearts of the people that day, we ask that you will heal our hearts as well. Father, we ask that you will help us to be reminded that we can come to you at all times. And as we approach the table this morning, we do so with grateful hearts, knowing that your son died to bring us healing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.